Music, industry talk, stories, equipment and more. We are Crossfader and this is Off off the Record. Off the Record. Off the Record. Welcome back to the podcast Off the Record with myself, Jamie Hartley, and we're actually recording this week live from Amsterdam. We're in a little little meeting room as part of ADE, and we thought, what better than to start pulling some guests into this podcast and finding out some more details about them and how they can help you level up in the industry or get some insight from some of these amazing guests. So... If you're a new listener to the show, then we talk about all things DJ related from the DJ industry, products, hardware, software, to then tips and tricks to getting your first gigs and much, much more. So without further ado, I just want to introduce our guest this week. It's none other than Mojax from the DJ City Camp. Hello. Oh my God. Applause. There we go. He hasn't said anything yet, but we're going in with the applause. No, he deserves a big round of applause before we even get in because you know what? This guy brings some of the most authentic and some of the most in-depth reviews to YouTube. If you've ever, you know, searched for a a new DJ product, you're more than likely to have seen Mojax going deep in on those reviews on YouTube. Um, I personally love to watch the reviews and all the other content that goes up on the DJ City YouTube as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get stuck in here and hear about your story and then how it ended up to where you are now and and pass on some knowledge to those DJs that are listening as well. So, first of all, do you want to kind of introduce you and your backstory and tell us a bit about yourself? Um, yeah, I'm Mojax. I'm originally from the south coast of the UK. I have been DJing for about 27 years, which is quite a long time. Yeah, I, I'm 28. Um, yeah, uh, going on twenty nine. So, so well, you win then. Right. I'll get my coat. That's my age. Um, right. So I was DJing. There's, that's the thing now. I know a lot of DJs. I was DJing before they were born. Like that. That's a pretty common thing now. Yeah. Um, but this is in the age when DJing was kind of cool on some levels. Like you had rave DJs and people like that, and the hip hop scene a bit. But the average DJ in a club or a bar was not seen as a cool person. Like they were just one level above the glass collector. It was not a cool job to do, but I just loved the idea of playing music and yeah. sharing it with people. So my dad was head teacher of a, like a junior school, primary age, and I did the school discos for his school. That was my first thing. And I had two separate stereo systems. Right. So and I just had one record on one and then turn that one down, and then turn up the other stereo <laughs> So system there wasn't really a mixer. Speakers. There was just, no, it was literally yeah, it was just, just two different complete hi-fi systems, turning yeah. one up, turning one down. And I used to record the uh, top 40 charts off Radio 1, and like cut, you have to press pause on the tape just after Mark Goodyear had said, you know, this is such and such, in at number four this week. So I did all that kind of the tape stuff, and I had a lot of seven-inch vinyl at the time. So you were actually the original ripper of music. You, you were the original. Everyone did that, though. <laughs> yeah, in no. the 80s, everyone just just co- you know recorded off the radio because that's all you could do. You didn't have CD burners, even mini disc at that time. You know, you just had tapes. So that was the and that was the only way. I, cause I wasn't getting paid loads of money, so yeah, the yeah. only way I could afford to get all the new hits yeah. was to go and just record them off the charts. And it was yeah. that's the beginning. And then I was a mobile DJ, did that for a long time. And then got into clubs and here we are. Nice. So um, from doing those school discos, how did it transition into doing mobile DJ? Was it for friends? Was it for family? Was it, well, what did it you was. kind of make make something of it and send out business cards? Like No, like me and the, I did it with a, I started on my own and then I got a couple of buddies involved doing it with me. And we, 
we were really good at school discos and kids' parties and stuff because we were young. We were like, you know, 13, 14 ourselves. So we just got involved and like did silly dance stuff with the kids and lots of loads of energy. And a yeah. lot of mobile yeah. DJs who do school discos and stuff, they like turn up as a middle aged guy, just sits behind his thing and plays his records. We were we were like kids entertainers almost. So the word got around other schools in the area. So there they came a point we were doing like 10 schools at the end of every term nice. in the local area. And then that gets onto word of mouth. You get onto, you know, weddings, birthday parties and, and that sort of stuff. So yeah, we got a lot of experience very quickly, made no money yeah. because we were spending money on equipment and lights. And Well, I was about know. to ask, I mean, what was your first piece of what you would consider a real piece of DJ equipment? You know, obviously having the two stereos wasn't necessarily. <laughs> it was, it was a Fowl's Ranger and it was a double deck console. So it was basically a big wooden box with like that kind of that rough textured plastic coating, you know, like I'd, you get it on old speakers and stuff like that. Yeah. It, it's that stuff. It was covered in that, had two turntables, but they were like shells of a turntable, like suspended in the middle. And it had faders up and down, had an amp built in, 200 watts. Nice. Um, I don't think that was RMS. I'm pretty sure that was peak power. Peak. But um, yeah, that was my first thing because I'd seen DJs using two turntables and I thought that's what I need to do. But they didn't have pitch control. So I didn't, I wasn't able to learn then to mix. It wasn't until I got a bit older I realized, okay, beat matching, you need pitch controls. Then I got the SoundLab DLP1 belt drive turntables um, and learned to mix on those. And that, so yeah, it's all just a progression. Nice. You know? How do you think that... Um compares to a new dj in their bedroom now and the equipment they have access to you know do you think it's it's a good thing or a bad thing that you have these amazing little controllers that you know can do so much do you think of that it's a good thing it, it's yeah. nothing but a good thing you know i i i believe in the art and the craft of djing and the more people doing it the better yeah you know not everyone's going to be doing it for the right reasons but ultimately i want to spread the word of djing like djing is the best thing in the world everyone should be a DJ. And then, so yeah, absolutely. So having a, I mean, I, I worked in DJ equipment retail around about 2001, 2002 uh, in mail order. And we used to sell Newmark DJ in a box kits, two belt drive turntables, a blue dog mixer, and um, came with like little powered speakers as well. And that was like 200 quid. So it's not far off, except then you had to go and buy records and a record was five pounds six pounds seven pounds so i think the accessibility factor has never been higher and i think but i think that's a really good thing you know and when it gets to that point where you've got streaming involved and somebody can just subscribe to a service for like five pounds a month get all the music they want and then that's enough to just play around at home you've not made a yeah. massive investment you can decide if djing is something that that lights your fire you know it's, it's one of the first things we always say when new products come through the studio and especially these cheaper controllers that, that come through we all just look at them and go if we had this when we were starting out, this is amazing, you know. I can learn all the basics, but then I can go and do so much more as well, yeah. even in this nice small price, you know, price point. Um, I remember when I first started, I had to spend more than you have to spend now to get less. So it's, you yeah. know, it's it's great. The way controllers that... are such a recent innovation as well. When you think back yeah. to it, it's not that long ago. It was like Serato Itch and things like that. What was that, like 2011? About that, yeah, that's you what know, I started on. It's, it's not long ago in in the scheme of things, you know. So yeah, it and and they progressed so far. Like the original controllers were 
really limited and now you've got things with like spinning jog wheels and all kinds you know the, the whole thing has changed up massively so whatever kind of dj you want to be there is a controller out there for you now like if you want to be a house person like syncing stuff up and doing really long blends you there's a controller for you if you want to yeah. scratch there's a controller for you so yeah i think it's great market's covered um so then from those mobile days to then working in clubs where did that transition happen how did you make the choice to switch or was it a natural thing where did that come about i think it's just anyone you know you're into especially if you're into dance music as i was you know i was into house and things like that and i just you want to play in clubs so you just hustle the local promoters you know this is all pre-social media so it's just a case of taking cds around and just getting to know people the whole thing with djing is just networking and getting Always. to meet people in real in real life and you know i, I eventually got a, a, a residency again made no money i was getting paid like 20 pound a night yeah. at one point um doing friday and saturday with another guy like they just, I, I didn't make any money out of djing for about 10 years so what really. were you doing as well as djing then like just normal jobs and stuff and I, you know at first i was at school and then yeah you know and then just normal jobs and, and djing was always kind of a, a hobby on the side but yeah yeah it, it's um it's always been there my whole life you know since since the age of 13 i've just been a dj there's there's probably a lot of people that are listening that can resonate with that that are working normal jobs like you say and, and are desperate to you know keep pursuing this dj passion keep trying to take it to that next step and and they're not really enjoying the, the jobs that they're doing and, and they've really got this passion to drive forward and become a dj and make that their full-time thing was there a point where djing became your sole sort of well income or purpose or the way that you you know was, yeah, well, was there a it, switching point yeah there was it's it's when i was i moved up to newcastle like 2005 or something like that and i went to university as a mature student so i went to university at the age of 28 did media because i was like i'm sick of doing rubbish normal jobs like i want to get something good yep. so i went to uni and all that actually came out of that i did media production so i've learned stuff hmm. about you know video, edit. video editing stuff like that which has come in handy later but all that happened at the time was i finished uni and just went straight full-time into djing because i'd had that free time to kind of push myself out to people and get to know people and so by the time i'd finished uni i was djing four or five nights a week and nice became so my job. how long did that last for like how long would you say that djing was your full-time like four years job and did you find that the way that you felt about it changed over those four years did you think you know no, when it turns into doing it every night of the week, no, did it change? I, I made a decision very early in my career that I'm not DJing because I have a particular passion for a certain type of music. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to push minimal techno to the world. I'll play anything that rocks a party. Mm -hmm. And when you, you have to accept it. if you're going to be that kind of DJ, you're going to get work, but you're not going to be Martin Garrix. Yeah. You know, that's the, the compromise you made. I was like, I can, I'm looking at my life here I can make a good living as a DJ for a good few years. You can't do it forever because you need security in your life. But, you know, I could do this and it means I have to play, you know, mainstream bars, play popular hits. I'm cool with that. Like, people are having fun. I'm good at it. You nice. know? And that's, you know, that's when technically I was better than I've ever been. Yeah. You know, around about 2012 when Serato DJ came out and I was on the DDJ SX and I was doing video sets Nice. Uh, mixing music videos trying to push that nice. turns out nobody cares but so did you feel like that i tried it for a while the controllers unlocked an even another layer of creativity well it did because it was already starting to get to the point where uk venues were not supplying proper dj equipment yeah um uh, what happened really from what my perspective is cdjs became a thing and then cdjs 
became more expensive. So, yep. you know, you got to the point where to outfit a booth with the current up-to-date stuff is going to cost you three grand. And yeah, a lot like of venue owners, now, isn't it? yeah, and a lot of venue owners are not interested in that, so they started pulling back. So it's like, well, I can turn up and play on these slightly knackered Technics twelve hundreds and this yeah. DJM whatever eight hundred that's got all the paint come off. It looks like it's got Ebola. I could play on that, <laughs> or I could bring my shiny SX along and plug that in instead. I, does it, the and exact have reliable same thing. Kit, exact same know. thing. I was taking equipment to gigs because there was. You know, CDJ one thousands that you still see that, that now, broken. It's crazy. Well, nothing's changed, does yeah. it? Sadly, it's just we've taken the cost of the equipment on board, and yeah, which is really annoying because DJs have not absorbed. Like we haven't got paid extra for that. No, we haven't. No, actually. You know, the <laughs> venues have basically just saved themselves money because they no longer have to maintain. There was a time you could walk into a bar or a club and they'd have needles on the decks. Like wow. you could just walk yeah. in and just put a record on. Imagine that. But then it, it imagine moved. playing vinyl today yeah. and not having to take your own needles. Never. I've got a shout out Mint Club there. They they still supplied Mint Clubs, um, yeah. still still supplied needles in Mint Club in Leeds. Um, they did recommend bringing your own, but they had them there, and I was like, props, like that's that's yeah. cool. It's a rarity. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there massively. are proper venues still. Yeah, there there will always be good venues, but I'm I'm talking about your mainstream. It's always bars. like the yeah. bar slash yeah. trying to be nightclub that have yeah. the oldest equipment. Yeah, like, or even they, if they, they have equipment, know. it can be broken. I mean, uh, yeah. some of my residences. Um, have the latest stuff yeah. like Nexus 2 set up not a problem but it's knackered I feel most of the time if it's not like a, a music venue you know like if it's just a nightclub yeah. in some cases the manager's like I don't know what this does it's DJ equipment deal with it is the music coming out yes good let's open yeah. the doors and make money yeah. <laughs> so the interest in the actual DJ equipment and sort of really getting stuck into all the different equipment that's coming out in the market and then the transition to becoming part of the DJ City team. Where did that start? How did that come about? Um, did you you know, start seeing a shift in the industry and thought, you know what, I'm really interested in the technology now that's being added? Or was it, how did that come about? You no, know? That's always been there. I'm always, I've always been the person who got DJ Mag and went straight to the back. Yeah. You know, the tech section at the back. I, I'm always just a technology nerd. I love technology in, in all walks of life. But like, yeah, it, I, I worked... In this retail, it was dex.co.uk. Sadly, rest in peace, is no more. Um, I worked there and that I'm sure really, I must have bought some stuff from them. Everyone did in the yeah. UK at some point. And um, they, yeah, that, that just kind of got, because I was just talking about DJ gear all day for like 18 months that I worked there. All I did was talk about DJ gear. So that fueled the fire even more. Yeah. And then, yeah, when I decided after doing this full-time DJing for a while, I was like, right, what can I do? I need to get, I'm getting older. I need to, something a bit more reliable in my life. I did this media production thing and I would, I'd been watching um, Phil Morse, Digital DJ Tips and TLM yep. um, of this parish who will be around. And um, yeah, like um, DJ Booth as well, Kareem at DJ Booth. I've been watching their videos. And I was like, I'll give that a try. Yeah, so I just gave it a try. So I hit up a buddy who still worked at Dex, got a Control Z1 sent through, the little two-channel mixer thing from Native Instruments. Yeah. Um, and I did a little, like a walkthrough on that. I didn't want to do reviews then. I didn't have the clout to do reviews. It was just mm. like, I'm going to demo this thing and yeah. then gradually built up the contacts from there and I sort of knew some people from back in the day and it just went from there. And then I worked for DJ Tech Tools for a while, freelancing. Yeah. Um, and then DJ City came along and said, oh, well, you know, our UK operation is based in Newcastle, the city that you live. We have an office. Would you like to do it there instead of in your garage? As in, <laughs> yes. How long ago was that then that you you went? That was 2013. Right. Cool. Yeah. 
how's how's it been over the last what five years is it now four or five years with dj oh, city is it uh 200 plus videos yeah yeah it's uh, what can i say it's the best company in the world yeah like, not i'm not blowing smoke guys like the best company in the world just yeah because everyone who works there is completely focused on the same goals like everyone yeah. wants to achieve the same thing i've never been surrounded by such inspiring people yeah. like dj play who's the uk and europe kind of boss he i'm just around him and i'm just like vibing i'm just like i want to achieve yeah because this guy is just on point all the time he won't watch this so i can say <laughs> I, won't, I won't embarrass him but yeah you know and everyone in the company is like that yeah nice. every single person like they're one of the first i'd only been with them less than a year i think and we went and we had a staff retreat in las vegas at a, like a mansion outside near the airport in vegas nice. and um everyone was there and we all it was a smaller team at that point so we could still do we could do it now with all the worldwide stuff it would be crazy but yeah so everyone was there in this mansion partied super hard super hard like drinking madness and then the next morning at like 10 o'clock they're all sat around on their laptops working doing edits uploading stuff getting you know getting stuff done yeah strong work ethic strong work ethic and i've always traditionally been quite a lazy person and so to be surrounded by people who have that work ethic drives me to have that ethic as well. Nice. And it, it, yeah, it, I, I, it's a fantastic company to work for. It's just the best, yeah. Nice. Um, so just segmenting slightly here, a lot of the listeners that listen to this podcast obviously want to know about things like getting into the industry and how to you know, grow as a DJ and, and level up and get further in their career. Um, but I just want to touch on social media Obviously, we all use it. We're all very active on it. Um, and we like to ask a lot of DJs that come through and the future guests on the podcast are going to be asking similar questions like, what What do you think about social media in the DJ industry nowadays? Is it a good tool for DJs to promote themselves? Is it a bit toxic? Where do you stand with it? And do you think, you know, giving advice to those up-and-coming DJs, where should they be focusing? Well, I think... In general, for our society as a whole, it's completely toxic and dangerous and it might destroy us all. Yeah. <laughs> but as a DJ, it's something you have to master and you have to yep. use. Yep. And it, because that's the reality, a commercial reality is you need to have a social media presence. Yeah. And it's not about putting stuff out there and like faking it. Like you can spot people who, who are trying to do that fake it till you make it thing. Yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. spot it a mile off with like bought followers and, yep. you know, just posting stuff like, oh, I've, thanks Nike and all this for their yeah. trainers they've just bought, this kind of stuff. Um, like you, you can spot that a mile off, but people understand authenticity and they, they dig it. So if your life is boring, you don't have to post 20 inspirational things a day. Just yeah. you know, post something that's important yeah. to you. And other people who share that interest and that feeling will connect with you. Yeah, But it is, it's a really important networking tool. Like I've met you once at a gig. Yeah. You two I've never met before. You know, but we know each other through social media. Yeah. You yeah. Know, so, yeah, even YouTube is social media in, yeah. in itself. So it's just really important. You've got to find the platform that works for you, though. Like Twitter is a cesspool, but some people really like Twitter. It just works for them. Yeah. Some people prefer Facebook. For me, it's Instagram. That's yeah. the one where I feel most at home because there's never like arguments on Instagram. It's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Nice photos and stuff. So yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's not too intense as Instagram. You can keep scrolling very easily. So yeah, but you know, look at DJs who are doing well in the field you want to be in and, and don't copy them, but you know, yeah, take yeah. inspiration from them. Like if you're into the kind of open format, traveling the world, not being tied to one genre, Latin prints from 
DJ City. He's a, a New York guy. He is the master of social media. Like he yeah. just runs it all the time. And it, it, yeah, so just just follow people that you respect. Yeah, and yeah try yeah. and just take inspiration from what they do because every scene is different. Um, like the house scene, like there's this guy Elliot Adamson from Newcastle. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Patrick Topping and stuff. Yeah. yeah, he's just so out there and honest and funny. Yeah. Just naturally funny. He's not yeah. trying. He's just out there being himself and having a laugh on social is, media, yeah. and that really appeals to people. He's got yeah. a mad following. So yeah, just just you've got to look around you and, and don't try and force something that isn't working for you. Mm. Nice. Right, let's segment this. Story time. So we try and uh, bring some interesting stories to the table when we do these podcasts. Uh, in the past, we've had some of ourselves you know dive into different stories but seeing as we've got a guest mojax i'll let you take center stage and roll with the story i have told this elsewhere before it's i'm not it's a weird one i lived in london for five years um and i hated it didn't like i'm not a big city kind of guy but you know i was there and i was djing and at the time i was djing with a friend of mine called shaylin and we djed as fat plastic p-h-a-t um, and we played like funky beats like a skills you know that kind of vibe i know we did some terrible gigs and we did some good gigs but yeah one day we were booked to play this pub um near one of the big markets i can't remember where it was in london now but it was just a pub and it was like a starting on a sunday lunchtime so it was almost like a after hours kind of thing like people would go out all night at clubbing and then go on to an after party and then start in this pub on the sunday lunchtime so we rock up we've got our you know bags and boxes of records because this was in the vinyl days and we're getting starting to get everything set up and the guy comes over he's like oh hang on guys we need to swap the mixer out just one sec it was like a vestax 05 so he took the mixer and just never came back <laughs> <laughs> just stole the mixer just, just walked out the door oh, so he didn't like, work there or anything no, just... just some guy like just oh my stole the mixer. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like stood there going uh, what do we do now because we didn't know we just thought he worked at the, at the pot Jeez. <laughs> what I'm worried about now is people listening to this podcast thinking, hmm, I might try that. And you know what? If, if you're a blagger, you can probably yeah. get away with all kinds yeah. of crimes like that if, up to a point. Just put a high vis on in this day and age. Yeah, yeah, you exactly. can go anywhere yeah, and do yeah. anything if you're wearing a high vis coat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he literally just walked up and just acted like, like he was like the sound guy. Or yeah. Whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, we just need to swap the mixer out. I'll just, you, you know, yeah. we, we didn't see him just go out the front door. That's kind Off. of genius. Yeah. We couldn't play, so we didn't even get to play. That was the thing. There was no mixer. <laughs> Did you get paid? No, couldn't do it. So oh my! It was God. the worst. That was a terrible gig. We oh had dear. some bad gigs in London. Okay, so let's dive back into the podcast now. Obviously, you review a lot of DJ products on the DJ City YouTube channel. That's fair um, so I think it's only right that we talk hardware, software, get into the nitty gritty of things. Let's talk. Yeah. The, the, the tech of the DJ world. So, um, do we just go in with, with a big hard question to start with? It might not be hard, but do you have a favorite piece of DJ gear currently at the time of recording? Um, on a longer term basis, the Denon SC 5000 M with the spinning platter, standalone media player, Epic. seven inch vinyl on yep. top. It's like my dream bit of hardware. Yeah. So I love those on a long term basis. The thing that's floating my boat right now is the DDJ XP2 from Pioneer DJ, yep. which is the XP1. They just put the different printing on it, basically, and made it compatible with Serato. Yeah. Um, it's just really nice. Like I've, I've used the... I've been testing Phase a lot this year, um, the new wireless Phase system for DVS, and 
So I've been using a laptop and turntables pretty much all year long yep. doing that testing. And I've had the DDJ SP1, the original one from Pioneer, yeah, with I've got the blue pads. Um, so I've been using that all the time. But yep. that is very dated. You know, it just it doesn't have color pads on it. It doesn't have the latest features. Mm. And so the XP2 has come along. And I'm, I said in my video I did about it, I'm like, I might not review this because it is just the same hardware. But I will test it. And I've been testing yep. it. And I've been loving it. Like yep. Silent Q... It's awesome. All the pads, you know, bright colors. Yeah, it's it's a really nice bit of hardware. Nice, yeah. It, it, that was the one product as well. When I was full-time working DJ, I used an SP1 as well. And, I, you know, I loved it. It was my go-to because it made every setup, no matter where you kind of, what club you were in, yeah. you had your comfort zone within the SP1. But then they when they brought out the XP1 and it only worked with record box, I was like, I need this for Serato. And I think the whole industry that we, that Lots we, well, of people Serato same, users yeah. all yeah. looked at it and thought the same thing so it's been nice to see it's finally yeah. finally and it's, come it's got around. both logos on it it has record yeah, box and Serato which is the first time they've done that it's weird to look so at it's, it's a good thing though I think that's yeah. a good sign you know ultimately the more competition that's out there the better for everybody like everything gets better when there's more competition so I want record box to do well I want tractor to come back and do well again yeah. I want Serato yep. to do well I, you know, the more the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Um, is this a quick one? Favorite piece of DJ software currently? No, that's not a quick one. <laughs> <laughs> Library management, record box, <laughs> yep. uh, sync, like playing techno and stuff, tractor, mm -hmm. um, DVS, still Serato, DJ Pro. Yeah, whatever. That's just, such a political answer, is that? Yeah. I'll mention free. They've all got their strengths. They've, <laughs> yeah. they've all got their strengths. I, I do love Tractor. Like, I got really into Tractor when I saw Craze and A-Track were using it yeah. a few years back, and they were doing the sync thing. Yeah. And the sync on Tractor with DVS works better than anything else. Like No other platform comes close. Yeah. But then I got into CDJs, Record Box, the library management is next level. Yeah. Just unbelievable. It's better than iTunes. It's better than anything out there. Um, but when it comes to DVS field, Serato is still the best field. Yeah. So everything's got their strengths. I use yep. all three um, as much as, you know, I, I don't really have a problem with going between them because they're, they're all very good. So how do you think then the future of the industry with things like mobile applications, iPad applications and the iOS and, you know, obviously there's a new generation growing up just you know, they've got iPads at home, they don't have laptops. How do you think that's going to affect the DJ industry moving forward? Do you think it's a contender that we need to, you know, be aware of and ready for? Well, I've heard about this thing called BeatSource that's coming out, <laughs> um, which is oh, going to yes. be a, a specially curated uh, streaming service for DJs. I'm hearing that's going to be pretty good. Um, disclosure, <laughs> I work for BeatSource. Um, <laughs> but no, like streaming is the future. I've done some gigs now where I had good Wi-Fi and so as a proof of concept, I just didn't play from my library at all. I just played off Tidal in Serato yeah. the whole night. And if you've got good connection, it's completely possible. Yep. Yep. No issues whatsoever. There is yep. an issue with curation is the problem with streaming services because you've got everything in there. Yep. You need to get, when you're DJing, you need the right version mm. when you need it. You don't need yep. 42 different versions that you don't want to like Cover play. bands and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah, that element is missing. But as far as the technology goes, it is only going to be so long before a DJ walks into a venue. The logs and whether the it's Yeah, a CDJ or a Denon player, whatever it is, they'll just rock up put in their password, and then play. Yeah, I mean, Denon, they just announced today that they're partnering up with SoundCloud to go on the Prime 4 and the SC5000s. Yeah. So, I mean, that... Well, BeatSource is coming to that. Like, we, yeah. we're working with them on that. I've already tried. They've got the... Um, they did the, the Prime 4, got Tidal 
beta a little while yeah. ago. Yeah, it did. Yeah. And then last week they released beta firmware for the SC5000. So I've been playing yep. with that at home because I own an SC5000 that I bought yep. myself. That's my like home media player. And I literally just spent like an hour playing two decks in one unit, all yep. off title. Nice. Just totally smooth. And it's like, this will be the future. The yep. infrastructure yep. is not there. Like a lot of the places I play, I can barely get any phone reception, let alone Wi-Fi from the venue. So it will take a while, but that is eventually where I everything think it'll will be. Yeah, definitely take off with the amount of messages that we get like, oh, how do I take my Spotify playlist? It's always yeah. Spotify, isn't it? Everyone yeah. wants to use a personal home Spotify. Yeah. So. But and that's why Algorithm have suddenly somehow got that yeah. Yeah. partnership. Like moment, Spotify, it is, it's kind of like, iTunes was for the digital downloads. It's yeah. Yeah, the yeah. name that you use. Yeah. It's just a go-to. Even yeah. for me, like, it took me a long time to, to adjust to the idea of using Spotify just yeah. on my phone to listen to stuff. Yeah. Um, and now I've got to try and move to Tidal because I'm using that with software and then I'm going to move to Beatles. It's It takes a while. Yeah. It, you know, things get entrenched. And like, yeah, kids growing up now, they know music comes from either an iPad with Spotify on it or it comes from echo yeah you know they're asking yeah. their echo to play them something they don't even have to type it in no no <laughs> it's just ridiculous no. so yeah, yeah. It, there's no way that streaming is not the future and as much as i love physical media like i, I played a you know, hip-hop set with seven inch vinyl last night i love physical media i've got an attachment to it the kids growing up today have no attachment to it they won't no. care and rightly so because why why would they yeah, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a way forward. Sense, yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit more about Beat Source? Is there anything else you can divulge about it, or you know, just for the listener, like tell them what it is well, and how it compares to other streaming services, or what the aim is anyway? Basically, it's it's us and Beatport working together, and it's all it is all about curation. Like the whole idea is like DJ City. The reason we are successful as a music pool is because we have the best edits curated like you know if something's in our top 20 yep. it's fire in the club yeah and so it's finding a way to translate that into ultimately a streaming service with millions of tracks on it yeah. which is a challenging thing to do but that's why it is a long-term project you know we've got the stories in beta now you can go and sign up and just try it out that's effectively like beatport but for open format so if you're looking for hip-hop and things like that funk and whatever else you can go and get that on the beat source store Nice. But that's like just the first stage. Like the streaming service is the the ultimate goal. Yeah. So it, okay. it's it, it's basically a service made by DJs for DJs, and that's what we've not had before in the industry at all. Like Beatport Link is out now. Yeah. And that's a very specific market. You know, electronic dance music. I won't use the term EDM because um, <laughs> I'm British. We don't do that. But yeah, that that's that market is kind of locked down already. They've been yeah. doing that for millions of years they know what they're doing so we're just trying to bring some of that flavor to the open format side of things where people are playing lots of genres well i'm excited to see the future of, of beat sauce and, and see how it unfolds and yeah anyone listening go check out the beat sauce beta now and even if you're listening in the future it might be a fully fledged service to go check out so yeah thanks for that week okay so every week again we want to get some of the latest tunes from from everyone i'm Everyone's just pulling up my runs to the phone yeah. Just, yeah. The what phone. have we been listening to check the top 10 yeah just talking about the whole spotify thing i don't need to know <laughs> i don't need to look at my phone to know mine. that chris lorenzo mike skinner from the streets yeah take me as i am yeah what a banger 
Yeah, big tune. tune. The drum and bass track. Yeah, yeah it's so it's good. Like a, drum and bass people hate that track. And I'm not time. surprised. Like, I love I love Chris Lorenzo. Right, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's amazing. I think that track is really good as well. Yeah, but drum and bass people they hate that record. Yeah, I've never so seen slated. such. It's just because everyone's like, oh my god, it's the most basic jump up tune. Yeah, yeah you know, like. Sometimes basic jump up is what you want in life. It's great. Like, there's a reason DJ Hazard tunes are so popular. It's exactly, like you just yeah. want to rave sometimes. What was the term? I played a load of like really bass, drum and bass tracks back to back. And someone on a crossfader video, the iPad one. And didn't someone say this is the cancer of drum and bass? Oh, Basically jump up, what, yeah. That's what, what I was playing. It. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh, I love a bit of jump up. Can't, yeah. can't go wrong. Sometimes I think that happens in every music scene, though. There's, there's oh, yeah. people there's that feel the like they own music connoisseurs. Connoisseurs. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Yeah, the people that know better than everyone else. Right. Um, Who's next? Yep, uh, I'll go for it then. So, Boys Noise, Francis and the Lights. Why not? Yeah, I've been listening to quite a lot. Um, great tune. Um, Phantoms. Uh, what's the track called? Uh, Say it, and it's the A track remix. Nice. Can't um, beat an A track remix. Did um, heads will roll. Ugh. Has oh. never left my crates. Oh. His remix nope. of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Still always play it. Never tire of that track. Yeah, I always find yeah. A track and Don Diablo. I don't even need to. I don't even need to hear them to know that. Yep, yeah. they're they're main room fine. They're going to go off. <laughs> yeah. Thing with A track as well was all the Duck Saw stuff. You know him and oh, Armand. Yes. It's like Barbara Streisand. Unbelievable stuff. That yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's that's my tune this week. Great tune. Have we all done tune of the week? Not me. Not Danny. Oh, Danny. Uh, so Save mine is a tune called Me You by uh, a girl called Tisha. I think it's just a girl, but it's spelled T-S-H-A. It's a bit like, if you like, Fortet, uh, Bonobo, oh, things nice. like that. Crazy. I might have to check that out after this. It's great. Okay, sweet. All right, so we've got about five minutes left of the podcast. I've got two questions that are related um, but for different people in the industry at the moment that we're going to ask all of our guests that come on. So what is your one piece of advice for a beginner DJ? Um, it is when you're learning, just play what you like. You yeah. know, if you decide you want to be a mainstream DJ and play lots of different things, but when you're learning, you need to play stuff that inspires you yeah. and makes you want to DJ for yourself mm-hmm. because at the beginning, you'll just be playing for yourself. So just... Yeah, decide what you want to go for. And I'd, I would always suggest, really, if you want to learn the basics of beat matching and stuff, start with house music. Yeah. Because, you know, the four to the floor, you know, yep. the structure is always very similar. So, yeah, from, from a sort of technical point of view, it's, it's that side of things. And also, just pick a platform. Don't, in the first two years of DJing, use Tractor, then Recordbox, then Serato. Yeah. yeah. Find the one that appeals to you the most and then just stick with it for a while at least until it's, you know it's literally one of the biggest questions we get asked in comments on YouTube emails through to through to the website what you know what should I use Serato or Recordbox what should I use SB3 or 400 you know and the or, or the Tractor S2 or, you know it's always where do I start which which software and, and at the end of the day they all do roughly there's but, no bad equipment on the market no, right now like no. I, I can't think of a single beginner product that I would say is bad, like even the really cheap stuff, like the Hercules stuff. Yeah, it's if you are on a real budget, start with that. Yeah, there's a little Hercules two channel controller, which all of our team who work on the Sirius F- XM station in the states, they use that on planes. Like they're doing mixes on I a did plane. That. Yeah, uh, it's totally, yeah, and that's just like a fifty pound controller or yeah, something like so that. So good. So you know, <laughs> amazing. You, you can achieve with any any kind of stuff. Don't just get what you can and start. That's the you just got to start DJ. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, one piece of advice for an experienced DJ. That's kind of what I do on the channel. Yeah, because you guys deal with the beginners yeah. all the time, and I, I've always tried to kind of 
talk to working DJs. So I'm going to go back to my amazing tip of last week that I did for Serato. If you've got a knob or a fader in Serato, control click on it yep. or command click on the Mac and it resets it to its default position. Nice. Like loads of people didn't know about that. I thought everyone yeah. knows that. Loads of people didn't know. That's a great little tip. Nice. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't really speak to specific things for experienced DJs. Everyone's got yeah. their own... Yeah, you know, just work on your library management. We all need to do it. Yeah, every yeah, one yeah, of us yeah, needs yeah. to do it's it. Spend yeah. so time right. on your library, and it will pay for itself. You know that yeah, work that you yeah. put in. That's my. That's my. Work no, that's a life. very good you tip. Know, don't don't have lazy tags. Don't have you know missing artist or titles or everything's bunched into one field. Yeah, just take the time when you import stuff to your library. Give it a few minutes and just get it right the first time because you won't have to deal with it again later on. Nice. So and it. don't play YouTube rips. Never ever play YouTube rips, <laughs> or I will I will come and get you in your sleep. <laughs> all right, so we're coming to the end of oh, this, really, that's not true. This week's <laughs> podcast. Uh, first of all, I just want to say a huge, huge thank you for stopping through. Obviously, we're we're here in Amsterdam. We're having a great time. Um, How are you guys finding Amsterdam? It, ADE because it's my first year. I've yeah, it's our yeah, first year our first too. Year. So it's good. We're kind of just wrecking it a little bit. We're just getting the vibe for it this year and seeing what it's all about. I think obviously I love Amsterdam as a city. Yeah, uh, I think if you came as a clubber, you could have a really good time. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, yes. We, as I say, I'm I'm new to it this year as well. It, for us, it is the networking, it's the business yeah, stuff, yeah, and yeah. I think it's so important to do that as a DJ. Yeah, whether you're a YouTuber or just a DJ in general, yeah, just get out there, go to you know networking events and just hang out with other people. That's how those connections are made. Yeah. that's how you grow as a DJ and as someone who's in the industry. So just yeah. If you get a chance to come to ADE, just do come it. to ADE and yeah, just turn up. It. There we go. Absolutely. Um, do you want to let the listener know where they can find more out about you and DJ City and where DJ they can City, go? just Google DJ City. We're yeah. all over the place. There we go. Anywhere in the world, you know, yeah, they've DJ got City DJ City and camps going on. Um, and I know there's link-ups and things where you can go and meet in person as well that DJ City yeah. do, and there's all sorts of cool things. So, yeah, go check them out. I've been a user of their record pool since way before Crossfader and still am. So, yeah, highly recommended. Um, thanks again for coming on the show and yeah we'll, we'll hopefully catch up again back in the UK and maybe do this again in the next year or something yeah awesome sweet sweet epic <laughs>